Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we are joined by George Burge. Now, his song, Beer, Beer, Truck, Truck, exploded on TikTok earlier this year, but his musical career began back in 2014 when him and his buddy Cody moved to Nashville with their band Waterloo Revival. Now, after many years of building a career and really getting to a point where they were making a living playing country music, 2020 slowed things down and it allowed George to think about what he really wanted. And he left the band. Now, he was moving more towards the writer side and was thinking that that would be his new career. But thanks to his song, Beer, Beer, Truck, Truck, he has now moved into a solo career. We talked to him about the entire journey as well as his love of golf and how that supports his musical journey and allowing him to have something that lets him free his mind every once in a while. So please enjoy our conversation with George Burge. When did golf start for you? Because that's a pretty big thing in your life, right? Yeah, it's been, you know, since high school for me, I've loved it. It's, uh, I just love being outside. I love hanging with friends and um, it's a good excuse to do both of those things. So it's always been uh, one of my favorite things to do. You know, I, I try to, I used to be super competitive and, and get fired up about it. Now it, it, it's more of a escape for me. I try not to get too frustrated there. Every now and then I'll chuck a club, but you know, I try not to. <laughs> and how important is that to have an activity outside of music, outside of your family that just allows you to go and just decompress and forget about everything? You have to have it, you know, music. Um, I mean, every aspect of life, any job's got its pressures and it's, um, and it's stresses, but, uh, music, especially, man, you're being judged every day. You're expected to create every day. You're on the road. Um, you're always trying to deliver something that's going to, uh, change your life or get you to the next level. And, um, it can be a pressure cooker. And so something to kind of like, just clear your mind and, uh, be somewhere where, uh, you know, in my opinion, golf courses are some of the most beautiful places in the world between the nature and the trees and the, um, and you know, and the fact that you can do it anywhere. Uh, I try to do it on the road a bunch. Right. Um, it, it's such an awesome escape for me. I'm a, I'm a big fan. <laughs> and anytime I can mix golf and music is even better. Yeah, exactly. And I saw a photo of you and John Daly. Now, what is he like to play with? Not only his golf skills, but just the character that he is out on the course. I have never met anyone else like him. Uh, he is an absolute sweetheart of a man. Nicest guy you'll ever meet. He's a maniac. Uh, first time I played with him, he got one of those, uh, you know, tall, skinny Michelob Ultra cans and shotgunned a beer on it and then put it on the ground and put the ball on top of it and teed off and hit it 300 down the middle. <laughs> and he goes, welcome, Earthlings. <laughs> like, damn, man, that was pretty cool. Um, but he, he's a really good guy, um, and he's a huge country music fan. So um, it's fun for us because, you know, we kind of um, geek out on playing golf with John Daly, one of the greatest, coolest golfers of all time. And uh, he kind of geeks out hanging out with us just because he is obsessed with country music. And so we're always talking songwriting and stuff with him. And then he's, uh, he's always giving us golf tips. 
That's awesome. And I saw a few years ago now you had the chance to visit Augusta. Now, since then, have you had the chance to play it or is that still on the bucket list? It is still on the bucket list for me. Um, I had one opportunity to play it and scheduling did not work out. And uh, oh, it kills me. It keeps me up at night every day. Uh, but it, it's going to happen one day. I know it will. So uh, I'm definitely excited to get out there at some point. But I would say as far as the golfing bucket list and just bucket list in general, that's that's the top. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's as good as it gets. That's awesome. And now enough about the golf. Let's move on to the music. And on Country Music Made Me, I like to explore the journey that a musician has taken. Looking at your socials from way back in the day when you were young, the glamour shots and the school shots that you have on there, you're always wearing a cowboy hat. And it feels like you were kind of maybe born with a cowboy hat on. Yeah, I mean, growing up in Texas, it's kind of just in your blood, you know. Um, I really didn't know there was another genre besides country music, probably until I was around 12 years old. And I just fell in love with it, you know, um, especially George Strait was like my idol. And so he always wore a cowboy hat. And um, I fell in love with like the storytelling of country music and um, just the way it made me feel. And uh, I was first exposed to it just riding around um, in my dad's truck. And so like whenever we go on a hunting trip or going to the gas station or the hardware store, it was always windows down. Um, he called it 240 AC, two windows down at 40 miles an hour because the truck was, the air conditioning was broken. <laughs> so nice. was, yeah. Uh, so the 240 AC in a country song um, is like some of my best, uh, you know, childhood memories. And then it was something that eventually the more and more I saw it, I, I got hooked on watching CMT and music videos and, and, and starting to learn about these artists. And then I, I, uh, I, I can't say I always knew it. It was, it was what I wanted to do, but I always knew it was my passion. Right. I think it's hard to, uh, you know, especially as a kid, be like, hey, I'm going to be a country music star. People kind of roll their eyes and be like, yeah, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. but uh, in the back of my mind, I kind of always dreamed about it. So that was cool. And uh, I started a band um, probably like freshman year of high school. Yeah, and, before we get uh, there, before we get there, yeah. I don't want to jump too far ahead because we'll get to that. But I want to know I a bit about... That. I wanted to get a bit, get to know your family as well, because I think I saw a photo that you had posted from your younger years. You were on a ski trip with your family and yeah. your dad was wearing a cowboy hat while he was skiing. And so was he a pretty straightforward country guy? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, he was just, uh, I mean, so he actually moved to Texas from um, Brazil when he was a kid. And so okay. he did not speak English. He spoke Portuguese and um, he learned how to speak English watching uh, John Wayne movies. And That's so, awesome. uh, yeah. And so he was kind of like learned how to be a Texan by being a cowboy. And then he started working on ranches and riding horses and got fully immersed in, um, in the Texas culture. And so you meet him. And you would never in a million years know he was anything else but a cowboy. And that's what most of his life has been. Um, but I think it's funny that he was kind of shaped in his formative years of like learning English and coming to America from watching John Wayne movies. And I think that that's why country is so instilled in him and, and why uh, he instilled it so much in me. Um, but he's like a huge Willie Nelson fan, um, which I am, of course, too. And uh, Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings and George Strait and uh, – you know, that was kind of like the foundation for me. And uh, he had uh, 
Well, he still has it today. In, 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 the, in 2001, he bought an F-150 that had one of those five-disc CD players. Yeah. And uh, he, to this day, has the same five CDs in it. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> so it was, uh, it was very much um, country music in my household. That is awesome. And it, as far as listening goes, it was around the house. But were any family members musical? Like, was there singing around the house? Did anyone play any instruments or anything like that? Um, my grandfather will tell you he's a singer, but uh, that's a, <laughs> I think that's strictly his opinion. Uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody in that uh, else in the house was really uh, musical but everybody had a passion for music. Like music was always on, you know, either on the radio or on a record player, or um, it was just like, you know, a soundtrack to life. Um, but nobody really um, played or performed music. And, and so I really didn't learn how to play guitar until later when I wanted something to kind of back up my singing and my storytelling. Right. And when did, when did you realize you had a voice? When did you start to sing and sort of enjoy it if no one else in your family really sung? Yeah, I mean, my confidence outweighed my ability for a long time. <laughs> I did not start off as like some, you know, uh, incredible talent. Uh, but I just loved it, you know, and I would drive my dad crazy. I'd sing every song on the radio uh, when we were in the truck and uh, probably louder than the radio itself. Um, but it was something that I just loved to do. And then, you know, then it was sitting in my room and practicing songs and singing. And um, it, it wasn't probably until... Um, middle school that um people were like oh man you can you can actually sing a little bit you know and that was um and that just gave me more confidence to to go chase it so right yeah. it, but it definitely was not a uh a, like a natural um first note perfection kind of thing it right. took me, man. <laughs> that's awesome and i think it was around grade five or six when you started writing so what was it around that time that sparked your interest and you know you've been listening to country music throughout your whole life so what was it was there a moment that kind of sparked your interest to get you writing you know um that's a really good point i think um gosh i had a uh garth brooks greatest hits double album um that i really dug into um in sixth grade and um i think standing outside the fire is the song um, that I vividly remember like digging into those lyrics and being like, wow, like that is, you know, um, life is not tried. It's merely survived if you're standing outside the fire. And it was kind of just like, get in there and do it, you know? And, yeah. and so that for me was the song where I was like, man, how cool is that? And so I wanted to like, you know, on a broader scale, I wanted to make people feel like I felt listening to that song. And so, uh, you know, I, I started just kind of, writing songs without a guitar by myself, you know, singing. I mean, technically it was probably more like poems than songs, but I call them songs. And right, yeah. um, they, you know, they were uh, not good at all, but, <laughs> uh, but that's kind of how it starts, right? It's yeah, like exactly. piecing words together, trying to figure out where you're headed, trying to figure out what you want to say. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, I like to think that I've gotten better every year since sixth grade. So <laughs> it's been a long time. And now meeting Cody Cooper, that was a big part of your musical journey because that would basically steamroll into what would happen for your career. But that friendship, when you guys first met, was it a friendship based around music or did that sort of gain traction as you met and started hanging out and realized that you were both drawn to music? Yeah, uh, 
it started with music and then um, he was such an incredible guy. We ended up becoming like best friends too, but um, it started with me seeing Cody carrying a guitar around and I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And so I started bothering him and we became <laughs> friends. And then he eventually, you know, taught me how to string a couple chords together. And then, um, you know, I would start singing songs and Cody would start playing guitar and singing harmony. And all of a sudden we kind of naturally formed the foundation of this little band. And, um, and then we, you know, just started trying to, pick kids in school that could play bass or play drums or, or be a part of the band. And then eventually by high school, um, we had kind of, kind of started our, our first band together. But, um, I mean, we spent basically every second together, um, all the way through grade school, just, um, writing songs, playing music, but also playing sports and, you know, going to parties and, and, you know, going to see movies and, um, it, it was a lot more than just music. And to this day, he's still one of my best friends. Like, uh, it, yeah, one of the best guys I've ever met. He's an uh, incredible person. And do you remember the first show that you played together and the feeling that you had at that point, the first time you sort of stepped on a stage and were able to sing in front of people? A hundred percent. So it was at a now defunct bar on 6th Street in Austin um, called The Vibe. And we were in ninth grade and um, it was one of those things where I was like so nervous all day. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. Like we tried to watch a movie to distract ourselves. Like, and we knew that like there was nothing else going on that weekend. So uh, basically our whole school was going to come to the show. <laughs> right. And it, I think we sold like 150 tickets. It was really cool. And, uh, you know, we're downtown 6th Street with these X's on our hands because we're, you know, just little ninth graders that, you know, <laughs> never even played a show before. Um, but I remember, like, walking on that stage and, like, having all those people um, there, like, to support us, even though, you know, our music wasn't worth a lick. Like, that <laughs> was, you know, that was such an incredible foundation for starting, just knowing, like, hey, man, like, we got friends that are going to support us and we got people that are going to come out to shows and, and listen to our music. And, and so that like really energized me to like try to get better and write better songs and make stuff that, uh, that people would really enjoy listening to. Um, and I think that was a lot of the magic about growing up in Austin is like, what kind of like, what kind of kid gets that opportunity to go play their first show and have all their friends and family come out and watch it. You know what I yeah, mean? Like exactly. usually it starts with an open mic to nobody. And so I think that that really speaks volume, like, not only about the school we went to, but about Austin as a city. It was just like such a collaborative and supportive um, city. And that was definitely like when I got bit by the bug, when I was like, man, that was an unbelievable adrenaline rush. And I, I remember I didn't sleep at all the, the night, the night after I was just like a, a incredible high. of just being like, Holy crap. We just played, you know, at the time it felt like a rock show, like electric guitars and drums and we're playing, um, it was interesting for us, like most kids start out as cover bands and just because we didn't know any better, we didn't play any cover songs. We wrote all of our oh, okay. songs, um, and they were all, you know, rough, but it was, <laughs> we got up there and we played 10 original songs on stage and nice. I think that was cool. You know, it was, it was very unique. And did it take you some time to get over those nerves to be comfortable on stage or after that one show, was it just such a high that from that point on, you were just excited to jump up there. I would say, man, even after getting a record deal and moving to Nashville and everything, it's been in the last three or four years um, that I finally don't really get nervous going on stage. Like it was a, it was a long time. Yeah. And I, and I think that's more just like, 
feeling self-conscious about your craft and like some of your weaknesses and stuff you need to work on. And I think as the show tightened up and the songwriting tightened up and, and uh, you know, I felt more confident in what I was doing. That was when the nerves kind of started to fade away. So now I'm just up there having fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And let's talk about sort of that, the Nashville phase sort of graduating. Well, first of all, let's talk about graduation because music wasn't a focus right away, right? You sort of went off to university, you got a job as a real estate agent and sort of got into real life. And so after high school, was there a focus of music or did you take a couple of a year or two off of music? Man, we, uh, I never really had the intention of playing music professionally. Like I just got suit. It was something I loved and it was a passion and that's how I treated it. You know, I would work, um, you know, my hours were, were pretty crazy. You know, I'd work till 7 PM most nights and then, um, we'd schedule rehearsal at like 10 PM and rehearse from like 10 to 1 AM. And then, you know, we'd go to work the next morning and we'd play shows on Friday and Saturday nights, um, every week. And the crowds just kept getting bigger and more and more people started coming out. And that was kind of how Buzz eventually got to Nashville. Um, but I never, I went out of it. I went into this like strictly out of like passion and um, it being something that I, I love to do and never in a million years guessed uh, that it could have turned into, uh, you know, my profession. It was, it was strictly a passion project. Yeah. Right. And it was 2012. I believe, or no, 2014, that you picked up and moved to Nashville. Now, how much convincing did that take? How many people had to sit you down and say, this is the right move. This is what you should do. Go chase this, take the leap and do it. I, I still think that we would not have moved had we not um, got offered a record deal. And that, oh, was, okay. that was the thing where it was... Um, we got a call from Nashville saying, Hey, you know, uh, we'd like to offer you a record deal contingent on seeing you play live. So move to Nashville, come play a show and we'll sign you to a deal. And that was, that was, that was a safety net for us. And we're like, you can't, you know, so as soon as we got that record deal offer, we both quit our jobs within 24 (laughs) hours and we were gone, you know? So that's when it really got real, you know, to know that people believed in us to invest their own money. Um, in the music we were making, which I mean, to this day, I still can't wrap my head around, um, you know, the team that supports me, the people that spend their own time trying to make my dreams come true. The people that invest their money in my music is, I, it is unfathomable to me and I am incredibly (laughs) thankful for it. (laughs) And so you go play the show, you obviously get offered the record deal. Now, what was the feeling like within you? Like you say, within a 24-hour period, you quit your job, you're moving to Nashville. What was the feeling at that point for you of just making that move and the realization that music was all of a sudden going to be the focus? Man, I had a um, like an overwhelming feeling of being an imposter, probably like my first three years in Nashville, just being like, Hey man, I have no idea how the hell I got here. I'm not good enough to be here. I have no idea how these people are believing in me. Um, and so it was like, it was anxiety for like a a long time. Um, just being like, people are going to find out who I really am or find out that I'm a fraud or that, you know, that, that we hadn't been 
doing this forever or, or which we had, you know, but yeah. it was just one of those things that was so new to it. I didn't know anything about the industry itself. I knew music, but I didn't know how the business worked or what, you know, each individual job was or, or everything that goes on behind the scenes. So like, it was, um, it was pretty intense, you know, um, for, for the first few years and, and then you get more comfortable and you make friends and you have people explain the industry to you and, um, and, and you see other people move into town and, and, and it, and it becomes a little more relaxed, but, um, it definitely took a few years to kind of get my groove in Nashville. And your wife, you met her back in high school, I believe. Was it high school or middle school that you two met? Uh, freshman year of college, actually. Oh, so college. Okay. We were 18. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, <laughs> we did, what did that mean to have her there from the very beginning along this journey and have her support and have her know what's going into this journey and the kind of support you need to be able to chase the dream? Yeah, I mean, no chance I could have done it without her, um, you know, because she believed in me uh, when I like when I like I said, when I, I didn't totally believe in myself when I was here and, and she packed up her life and moved to Nashville with me. And um, and then I think there's something to be said on like, um, you know, I'm by no means a, a superstar, or the most famous person in the world. But um, knowing that she was with me before I had anything going on and she loved me like truly for who I was. Yeah. Um, gives me like a massive sense of comfort at home. Like knowing that I love her for who she is and she loves me for who I am. Like when you strip everything else away. Um, so that she is definitely my safety net a hundred percent. That's awesome. And we should mention the band that you started with Cody, the reason you moved to Nashville, it was Waterloo Revival was the band that you started. Now, along this journey, I saw a post from 2016, it was, and you were backstage, you were touring with Toby Keith at the time, you were backstage, you were in a conversation with Toby Keith and Post Malone. And you mentioned in the post that later that night, you had met SEAL Team 6 and had a conversation with them. And so along that journey, over those years of being with the band, when you had moments like that, like what was that like for you? Was it almost an out-of-body experience when you were having 100%. Yeah, because I mean, these are people you've seen or heard about your whole life, and then you're meeting them just as a normal person, and you and you come to realize that they are just normal people at the end of the day, with exceptional talents, I will say, obviously. But um, you know, I got to meet Larry Bird, I got to meet Roger Clemens, I got to meet you know Bob Stoops, SEAL Team Six, Post Malone, all of these just incredibly famous and talented people, and um, it just kind of put it in perspective to me um, that, you know, there's no magic behind the scenes or anything. Like these are real people that worked really hard and found their way. And uh, it's really inspiring more than anything, you know, and you, and you kind of just try to pick off some of their mindset, you know, like, how do you think, like, how do you approach life? What um, drives you? How do you motivate yourself? How do you differentiate yourself? And, you know, just taking little nuggets from these people that have, you know, conquered their specific industry. I mean, it, it was really cool. And I learned a ton um, with being on the road and getting to meet those kind of folks. That's awesome. Now, before we get to 2020, let's talk about sort of 2019. You guys had built yourselves up to where you have a career in country music. You know, you're making a living doing this. You played Watershed. You played CMA Fest. 
just talk about sort of that year before the pandemic and how you were feeling at that point in your journey. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it's pretty gratifying to get to a point where you were making as much money doing what you love as you were at a desk job, you know, and that like you're paying your bills, you got a house, you got cars, you got, you know, and, and music is paying for it. That is to me, when I started music, I always said, that's what I would consider making it um, is being able to live a comfortable life supported entirely by music. And then once you get there, obviously, you know, you're looking at the next mountain or the <laughs> next step enough, or like, right? how does, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how do I keep going? Um, and, and so I was definitely guilty of, um, kind of, I don't want to say wishing the present away, but always looking at the future and not taking a moment to say thank you for where I was at. And, right. um, it's something I've really tried to change this year. Um, and, and I think it's because like, I'm a motivated person and I want to be the best that I can be. And I always see what I can be doing better. And, and I want to go work on that. Um, but I think that this year specifically, I've really tried to take a moment to like, Hey man, that was cool. That was a big deal. Like, be happy about it. Celebrate that. Take a mental snapshot of it and enjoy it. Right. Because it, it, to be honest, like you kind of wear yourself out if you don't give yourself a chance to enjoy the little victories, you know? So, and, and so that was something that um, looking back, I'm like, man, that was some really, really, some of the best times of my life and some of the, you know, biggest milestones to date. Um, and, I, and I don't think I took enough time to really um, enjoy and appreciate them. So uh, I'm really focused this year on making sure I do that. Right. And so talk about 2020 and the feelings within that year and basically coming into 2021 and making the decision, going to your record label saying, you know, I, I want out of the deal. I want to go do my own thing. Just talk about sort of the progress in how you were feeling over 2020 and sort of how you came to that decision. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was sitting in my house taking stock of where I was at during the shutdown. Like a lot of us did during COVID, it was a really great reflective time. And, uh, you know, I think the overarching question is like, was I happy with where I was and where I was heading? And, um, unfortunately the answer at the time was, I just was not feeling like super fulfilled with the direction I was heading. Um, and through nobody's fault, you know, um, obviously when you're with a record label and when you have an A&R team and a bunch of people touching the product, um, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions on where things should be going, uh, musically and directionally and brand wise and everything. And I didn't totally agree with all of, um, the way th things were heading. And so, you know, I called Cody and I, I had a, a super heart to heart with him about where I was at and how I was feeling. And, um, you know, him being like the incredible friend that he is, which I think that that was so important for us was having our friendship be the foundation of our relationship outside right. of everything else. Like we both want the very best for each other. Um, and he totally understood and, um, he was totally supportive of me and I still write with Cody and, and I have intentions of, of cutting some of the stuff that we wrote together on the solo project actually. Um, but with his blessing, um, ass out of the deal. And um, I actually didn't have the vision that I was going to go do the solo artist thing at that time. Right. I just knew that I wasn't happy where I was at and I needed to figure out what was next. And uh, so I kind of jumped without the parachute. 
um yeah and so once i got out of the deal i was like okay crap i gotta figure out what's next and so um songwriting had always been a passion of mine and so i kind of started trying to chase chase that a little bit and um luckily i had made friends with a lot of artists in town through my my time uh and so i started writing with a lot of my artist friends and getting a little bit of traction there and i started getting some cuts and um started getting some of my songs out there and um that caught the attention of a guy named Ash Bowers, who's now yeah. a manager. And um, Ash uh, helped get me set up with my first publishing deal where I was writing songs professionally. And that to me was huge. I was like, okay, like I can breathe. Like we're going to be all right. right. We're going to figure something out, but I got a paycheck. I got a job. Like we're good. And so um, I dug into that and just really, really hammered away at getting better at, a, at songwriting. Like I wanted to, perfect that craft. And, um, you know, I started writing with some of the best guys in town and, and the first few months I really did get my teeth kicked in, you know, I just, you know, and my goal was to be the, always be the worst writer in the room, always be writing with people better than you right, and learn yeah. from them. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and eventually it, it got pretty good. And, um, that's when, um, I started getting in some bigger rooms with some bigger artists and, um, and then, uh, I went to Galveston, Texas with Clay Walker to uh, write for his new record. We had gotten to be friends and um, being from Texas, I idolized Clay. Like he was the guy I tried to sing like, I loved his songs. And uh, I was kind of telling him, you know, I don't know what's next for me, whether it's just songwriting or whether I'm going to ever try the artist thing again. And, um, he looks at me and he's like, son, I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Uh, you need to put your songs on TikTok." <laughs> at the time I was like, man, that's the most ridiculous advice I've ever gotten. Um, but that night I created a TikTok account and um, I clicked on the country music hashtag just because that's what I like. And the first video I see is this girl and over the top of it, it says men in country music. And she's kind of singing this fake song that country music ain't nothing but beer, beer, truck, truck, and girls in tight jeans. And I would consider like this exact moment as I'm watching this video, um, every time I've like replayed it in my head, like how the next series of events takes place, I'm like, it couldn't be anything other than fate, like that this was supposed to happen the way it did. Right. Because I've never responded to a video like that in my entire life. And whatever reason that night I see that video and I'm like, I'm going to write a song with her lyrics as a response to defend country music. And so I did. And I've got six, I've got no followers, like six followers. Right. I just started this account. I post my little chorus that I wrote out of her lyrics. We go to dinner, we come back three hours later and it's blown up like thousands and thousands and thousands of views. And I, and I, we're all freaking out like, man, wow, this is really cool. Uh, but I kind of thought that was an isolated moment in time. I didn't think that that was going to like change my life. Right. Well, over the course of the next week, the thousands of views turned into nearly a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. <laughs> and so that was insane to me. And there was such a demand for me to finish this song that I was kind of like, all right, man, <laughs> you're going to put out a song called Beer, Beer, Truck, Truck with your name on it. You better sit down and make sure it's pretty damn good. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get to Nashville and 
I finished writing this song and um, I call my buddy Jaron Boyer, who's a big songwriter and producer in town. I'm like, hey, dude, can I just like pop by the house for a few hours and record a little dem- basic demo of this song? And, uh, and so I do. And then I post the demo on TikTok and on YouTube and it explodes and does several million views and every record label in town starts calling my phone <laughs> and people are wanting to sign me to record deals and my life just absolutely got turned on its head. Um, so it was, I mean, me getting into the music industry in the first place was never my intention. Could have never in a million years guessed it would happen like that. And then this second shot, you know, the second chance coming from the most insane series of events anybody could ever dream up. Um, I feel very blessed to be where I'm at. And uh, I feel like uh, big things are in store. Man. That's awesome. And the next question I'm going to ask, bear with me, because I've been thinking about it in my head and I don't know exactly how to word it, but I want to ask it anyways. So you're coming off a successful stint with a band with Waterloo Revival. You're coming out of that project. And then you have this song that blows up on TikTok. Everything I read about you now, it's like you're a TikTok influencer. You're this brand new guy who blew up. You're, you know, TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. And I'm looking at it like, well, no, he's been here since 2014. He's had a career. He's more than just this one clip that he posted on TikTok. And so how does that make you feel when you're looking at that? And I know you've got to be very grateful for what has happened with that song, but is there different feelings when looking at what you've accomplished in your career and almost having that wiped off the map because of this social media game and all of a sudden you're a huge social media star? You make an incredible point. You know, it's a, a lifetime overnight success, right? Like yeah. it's something that I've worked at and tried to perfect my entire life. Um, but, you know, at, at first it really did bother me. I, you know, I, I don't want to be a TikTok star. I feel like that my music is a lot more than that. And I sat down and I had this conversation with Clay and, and um, you know, you, you kind of figure out like you use the resources at your disposal. And yeah. at the time I did not have a record deal. Um, I didn't have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in my pocket to run a marketing campaign to put my music out or, um, or to, uh, you know, record my own record. And so, um, this was my option to reach the masses and Clay kind of explained it to me in the way that you can go tour for three years and not get in front of 2 million people, or you can post a compelling piece of content and in 24 hours you can get in front of 2 million people right and that's you know so i just consider i I, i've taken a step back and i've considered this my jumping off point and um i just released a new song mind on you that i think really showcases my voice and my songwriting i've got an ep of five songs that i've never been more proud of um coming out at the top of the next year so um you know we all bang our head against the wall and just pray for that little crack of daylight in the door that we can slip our foot through and get in the room. And so I look at TikTok as my door that got me in the room and I'm going to continue to build on that. And I'm hoping um, that my live show and my songwriting and my recordings, um, as people get to know me better and get more familiar with my music, um, will prove more than just a social media sensation. (laughs) That's awesome. And I wanted to talk about Mind on You. You wrote that song when you were just songwriting. You sent it off to Jason Aldean. 
they sent you a message back saying, we're cutting this song basically. And then all of a sudden you become more of an artist and you go back to Aldine's camp and you say, actually, I want that song back. What was that conversation like? What were you feeling inside when you nervous as hell, you had to go yeah. back to them? It was, you know, yeah. So at the time when I wrote that song, it was uh, between the period of when I had asked out of my deal and when Beer Beer Truck Truck had blown up. And so it was at the time, like I told you that I thought I was just going to be a songwriter. And so that's yeah. why I, I pitched it. To, I pitched it to Michael Knox, who is um, Jason Aldean's producer. And 24 hours later, I get an email. Hey, don't play the song for anybody else. We think we're going to record it. And um, at the time, that was like as cool a thing as it happened to me. So I was super excited. Um, and, you know, then you fast forward and, and Beer Beer Truck Truck blows up. And I'm talking to all these record labels. And I decide I'm going to sign with records. And um, I'm talking to Barry Weiss, who's the head of the label. And he's like, man, he's like, you need to ask for that song back. It's a hit for you. And um, and and I I tossed and turned on it, you know, because if Aldine cuts it, it's guaranteed big money for me. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's not a small check. That's what I was wondering. Um, but I kind of just had to sit myself down and say, listen, if you can't bet on yourself, who can? Um, and that was the approach that I took on it. And so um, I called the team called Knox and um they could not have been more um excited for me and um they wished me luck and gave me the song back and we're so happy to hear of, of everything kind of taken off from me and I think that speaks volumes of that camp you know what I mean because that's not the first time a song has been given and then asked for back in this industry and um without saying any names it doesn't always work out like that right. so um I think that uh they're very, uh, very incredible folks over there. And um, I just couldn't be more, you know, and I think they understand like that, that this is a jumping off point for my career and this song could potentially change my life. And I hope it is going to, and, and for them to have that kind of vision um, and give me that opportunity. Um, yeah, it, it is really cool. And I was nervous as hell asking for it because it doesn't always work out that way. Um, but I couldn't be more proud to have my name on it. That's awesome. And now you have your EP that you produced with Ash Bowers. Do you have sort of a date for that? Do you have a schedule of when we're going to start seeing more and more and then have the full EP? Yeah, so I'm hoping um, February, March-ish of next year, uh, we will have the full EP out. And then um, I'm continuing to write and record um, with the hopes that uh, we'll roll that EP into a, into an album later in the year. Nice. And what is it like playing that music live? You've had the chance to do that on some pretty big stages here in 2021. So what has it been like getting up there as a solo artist as compared to being with the band? It's been incredible. Um, I feel like this is the first time I've been allowed to be authentically me with my songwriting um, and with the, uh, with the performance and um, just seeing people connect with the songs and seeing them resonate. Um, is the most gratifying thing to me because, uh, you know, this is the first time I've stuck my neck out there by myself with something that was entire, entirely my idea and direction and brand and sound and seeing people take that and run with it and connect with it. Um, it's the most gratifying thing in the world for me. It's awesome. That's so cool. Well, congratulations on everything. It's a great time to be going into the holidays for a little downtime for you, I would imagine, and then kick things off in the new year with new music and I would imagine tours and get the ball rolling. 
yeah, it's going to be a huge year next year. I know we've got a lot of stuff in the works. I'm going to be on the road a lot. Um, I'm going to be going to country radio and um, we're just going to, we're going to have all kinds of stuff coming. So um, thank you so much. I am fired up. I'm ready to go grab a little by the horns this year. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to George for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out Beer Beer Truck Truck and Mind On You wherever you stream your music and look out for new music coming in the new year. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Please also be sure to join us each and every week for new and exciting episodes with your favorite country music artists. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm-hmm.